0: Good morning, it's an honor having y'all here. Um, Today, this is it. We're going to talk about probably one of the most popular verses in the Bible, one that you know, and it's Jonah in the belly of the whale. Um, That's cool, man. I love that movie. Uh, I am 36, but I feel like a six-year-old every time I, I see that. We're going to find out today that God speaks whale, or that whale speaks God. Because God communicates with a big fish. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story. It's a very popular story, but if you're into sports, I know you've heard of it. If you've not, um, then just sit back and relax and eat your popcorn. Um, It's the story of Wrong Way Roy. Have you ever heard of him, Wrong Way Roy? Roy Regal... Uh, played in the Rose Bowl of 1929. He was a All-American center from the University of California at Berkeley, the Golden Bears. They were playing the Georgia Tech, I believe it's the Hornets, Yellow Jackets, excuse me, and uh, it is the beginning of the game, and Roy was playing both offense and defense. Well, in the first quarter, One of the Georgia Tech dudes fumbles the ball, and Roy scoops it up, and he starts running. And he's running as fast as he can. He is running 65 yards in the wrong direction. He's going towards the wrong goal. And finally, one of Roy's teammates, by the name of Benny Long, catches up to him and tackles him, and Roy is dumbfounded. Because he ran the wrong way. The middle of the game, I mean, can you imagine at halftime how Roy felt? They're in the locker room, and Roy is hanging his head, and he's sobbing in the corner. He is crying with hot tears. That's when he hears the coach say a really unusual statement. The same players that started the first half are going to start the second half, and Roy takes his hands off of his eyes and wipes away his tears and says, Excuse me? You're wanting to play me? I can't go back out there, coach. I've disgraced you. I've disgraced the University of California, my alma mater. I can't face those fans again. That's when the coach says, Roy, get up and go on back. The game is only half over. And it's amazing, Roy got to play that second half, and he played one of the most inspirational games in all of Rose Bowl history because he didn't give up, even though he was running the wrong way. Have you ever felt like wrong way, Roy? you ever felt like you should have been going this way, but you were going that way? Has there ever been a time in your life when you can look back and you say, I used to be really close to God. I had to experience at a camp or maybe when your first child was born or um, whatever, but there was this time that I I felt so close to him, but I don't feel that closeness anymore. Know this, God didn't leave you. You ran the wrong way. That's my story, and that I'm sure is your story, and if we can all relate to that, then we're going to relate really well to Jonah. Because Jonah is running the wrong direction. God said, I don't want you to go 550 miles to Nineveh. He goes, uh uh-uh. uh. And he goes 2,500 miles to where? Tarshish. That's exactly right. And last week, we see that God is coming after Jonah using a storm using the captain, using a dice game, shooting craps. And finally, they throw Jonah overboard, and he's going... He is going under, and he's going under quick. That's where we left Jonah. In fact, look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah... And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah is the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And let me say this, because this is a huge, a very important point I want to make up. The belly of the fish is not a happy place to live. But it is a really good place to learn. The belly of a fish is not a good place to live. But it's a really... Really good place to learn. I wonder if you happen to be there this morning. Are you in the belly of some circumstances? Some bad things have happened to you. Somebody may have broken in on you. Again, a, a husband, a wife gone for 15 months. And now they're talking even longer. I mean, are you just feeling like, why God? It's not a happy place to live. But it's a really Really good place to learn because you're hungry for God. You're in learning mode. That's the reason you're here. You know that right now things outside are topsy-turvy, but there's some stability with you and God in the belly of that fish. I believe that there are some lessons that you can only learn in the belly of a beast. Some people have a problem with this story, Jonah, because it's about this big fish swallowing a person. I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. That's not a miracle. It's not a miracle having some dude getting swallowed by some fish, whether it be a whale or something else. You know why? Because it's happened before. I'm going to give you three occurrences that it's happened before. And because it's happened before, it's commonplace. It hadn't happened to you. (laughs) It hadn't happened to me, praise God. But it is happened before. 1758, a Mediterranean Sea... One of the sailors was thrown overboard and in the vicinity of a great white shark. And a great white shark came and swallowed this dude whole, didn't chomp down. And they see this shark, and the captain orders a big cannonball and hits the shark, and the dude gets vomited back up, and he's alive. Number one, that's some nasty stuff. I mean, uh, let me give you another example. Ransom Harvey, another dude, lost a dog fell off the boat, and a sperm whale came and gulfed it up. Six days later, they found the sperm whale beached, and somebody hears this, yip, 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 and a dog is still in the belly, still there. I kid you not. Uh, let me give you another one. This is highly documented. In February 1891, the whaling ship The Star of the East was in the vicinity of a sperm whale about three miles outside the, the Falkland Islands. One of the men, a gentleman by the name of James Bartley, was thrown overboard, and they tried saving him, but he wasn't anywhere to be found. Well, they they caught this whale and they hoisted the whale up on deck, and as they're using these axes and chopping things to chop the whale blubber off, they hear this muffled groan. They're going, "Dude!" So they they slit the bell's uh, the the the, the Belly of the whale, thank you very much. And they get these grappling hooks, and they hoist the stomach out on deck. The they cut open the stomach, and all this nasty stuff comes out. And there's James. He's in the fetal position, shaken. They get some seawater. They throw the seawater on him, and it revives him. Three weeks later, he resumes his duties. Now, let me tell you this. Because he was in the gastric juices of that whale, everywhere that he didn't have clothes on, on his face, on his hands... The gastric juices of the whale bleached his skin. And he never, ever regained the composure of his skin. It was just a pure white, almost looked like Casper the ghost. He said this. uh, He said he could easily breathe, but the heat was terrible. Well, I guess so. See, the miracle is not that a fish swallowed a man. The miracle is that God told a fish to swallow the man, and the fish said, yes, Lord. I am going to have what for dinner? That will get you all in just a sec. All right? I'm going to have what? It's amazing because everything in this book, everything is obeying God except the preacher, except the prophet Jonah. We call him Redneck Joe. Everything. I mean, there, I mean, God says, I want you to go this way. He doesn't. But we see a whale obeying. We see the storms obeying. Even the, the sinners, the captain up on the boat who didn't know anything about God, he, I mean, he's listening to God. Look at verse 17. Now the Lord arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. What we're getting ready to read in Jonah chapter 2 is the prayer of Jonah. He is inside this fish, whether it was a great white shark or a whale, something. He's inside this fish, and he's praying. (laughs) What else are you going to do in the belly of a fish, right? Um, And I want want to make this clear. The whale was sent to deliver Jonah, not to judge Jonah, because Jonah was drowning. So from inside the fish, the Lord prayed to his God. So this is what we get a little bit that's what you have is jonah gurgling trying to talk to god and going dear lord and he's and he's gurgling i won't do that again thank you very much you know we know when to pray don't we i mean think about it when when we get we got nothing else to rely on and we're in the belly of a whale that's when we start praying uh, he i mean he puts us in a place of absolute dependency so that we have nowhere else to look but God. So he is being delivered by this whale. And in verse 2, Jonah starts praying inside of the whale or the shark. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. You betcha you were in great trouble. That word trouble is the... the, the Jonah was written in a, in a language called, called Hebrew. And that word trouble is Sarah. Now, you've never heard of that, but some of you have that name. It's named Sarah. Any of y'all named Sarah? Any of y'all? All All right, I see you. All right, wonderful. All right, okay. Sarah. And let me tell you what your name means, all right? This is going to be a bummer. Don't hold it against me, all right? But it means um, the trauma of childbirth, all right? (laughs) Don't know what your I don't know, but hey. The trauma of childbirth. Now, 11 weeks ago, my wife... Gave birth to our third child. She did it with no drugs. Now I had all kinds of drugs. <laughs> I was high on Jesus. All right, but she did it with no drugs. You know, you know what that taught me? It taught me this: that I am not never going to mess with my wife again because she could take me. She's all. She could do it. I don't know if she's still in here, but I know you could. All right, hooah! All right, very good. So Jonah is using this pregnancy word. Any, while he's inside the fish, this trauma of childbirth, he's saying, you know what, I am going to be born the distress of labor. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Now, how did God answer him? By sending a fish. I called to you from the world of the dead, and the Lord heard of me. Let's talk a little bit that world of the dead. Um, that's Sheol. Hebrew word shield and it literally means hell. The point where Jonah was farthest away from God, the point where he had he was miserable and couldn't contribute nothing. He was helpless. He was desperate. He was afraid. It was there in the depths of hell that he cried to God. Now you put those two verses together, and there's some cool stuff going on. It says this. I was as good as dead, but God in his mercy called me to Sarah to be born again, out of my hell. And it's a great picture of what, ha- what has happened to many of us and what needs to happen to you if you have not started that relationship with God yet. God longs for you to be, come out of your hell of circumstances and to be born again. And sometimes that's traumatic. Look at verse 3. God rescued him because he cried. What, what made Jonah cry? Look at verse 3. You threw me into the ocean's depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. So he's recounting what happened in chapter 1. He says, you threw me into the ocean's depths. Now that's kind of interesting because according to chapter 115, do you remember who threw Jonah into the water? The sailors. That's exactly right. The sailors threw Jonah into the water. But Jonah's saying here, no, you threw me into the water. So who did it? Well, both. God and the sailors threw Jonah in the water. And what do we get from that? Is this, very simply, is God is in charge. And God used these people who cuss like sailors because they were... These sinners to do God's will. We talked about that churchy word last week, sovereignty. And that literally means that God is in control. God calls the shots. Look at verse, into verse 3. You threw me into the ocean's depths. I sank down into the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Some of, again, some of us in here, and I've been there, y'all. You're, you feel like you're underneath those wild and stormy, or, or those waves, and you're, you're longing for a breath of air. Your lungs feel like you're getting ready to burst because you so need to be delivered. Look how God works. Jonah is in pain, but God is actively working. God was actively working even while Jonah was in pain. And let's look at the different phases of God's work. All right? The different phases. Jonah... God comes to Jonah, and God says, go. Jonah says, no. All right? So Jonah runs. He runs, and he gets on a ship, and God sends a storm, phase one. God sends a storm to get Jonah's attention. He didn't get it. Jonah two, in Jonah chapter one, he goes in the bottom of the ship, and he goes to sleep. Phase two, God sends the captain and says, you need to get up and pray doesn't work all right phase three god orchestrates a dice game and they find out who the real problem is still doesn't work jonah says i'm not going back kill me Phase phase four in their mercy god gives these sailors and they don't want to throw him overboard phase five they throw him overboard and the sea becomes calm phase six jonah's drowning he is i mean he is losing his life And in phase six, God sends a big fish to gobble him up. You know, God works in stages of deliverance. And some of you here today, you're like, God, you're crying out to God, God, please, please. And you're wanting to be on phase 10, but God said, you're only on phase three because if I get you there immediately, there's going to be some lessons you have to learn in the belly of a fish. There's only some lessons that you can learn and the, You know, looking back on my life, there's been times, desperate times in my life that I've cried out to God. God, please get me out of this circumstance. Please change the direction that we're going in. Please. And that's phase one. You know, somebody, a few people asked me, did you ever in your wildest dreams think you would be here starting a church in Clarksville? And you need to know this, that phase one, God had to get us out of Clarksville. In 93. And it made us appreciate this town. And the Lord put in my heart and my wife's heart to come and plant a church for years. But we weren't here. What what did he have to do? Well, phase two, he had to send some roadblocks my way. Phase three, he had to send some storms. Phase four, he had to do some sarah in me. Some very difficult and painful things in me. Where only, the only way I can look is up and to see him. And now, I look back now over a two, three, four year period in my life and I can see, okay, God, I understand how you were connecting the dots, but at the time, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. And that's exactly where Jonah was. Jonah was praising God and he wasn't yet delivered yet. He wasn't on shore yet. He's still in the belly of this fish, but he still can praise God. I wonder, there may be some bellies you're in today. Can you still praise him? Can you still thank him and say... I don't understand you, God. I know you're pursuing me, Lord, but I I so want to do your will. Man. Verse 3 and 4, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and your breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, O God. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. He says, I'm going to try God one more time. I'm going to try him one more time. God put him in a situation where he could not save himself, and he says, okay, I'm going to try him one more time. Verse 4, I said I've been banished from your sight. The idea there is that the Lord, uh, God had removed his protection. He was drowning. I sank beneath the waves, verse 5, and death was very near. The waters closed in around me, and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. This is like a bad rerun of Man vs. Wild. Think about that. Seaweed is wrapped around his head. Picture that. That's some funky stuff. He knows he's going to die. He knows the weeds are choking him. I mean, he feels like everything's against him, and God has him every which way but loose. He's drowning. He's drinking in water. The Lord told the weeds to choke him, and the the weeds listened. He's trying to swim, but he's sinking. And as he's sinking, he's seeing the light, and it's slowly dimming, and the darkness is enveloping, and he knows this is it. As the last air bubbles escape his mouth, read verse 6. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. Where are the roots of the mountains? (laughs) That's at the bottom of the sea. So he's going under, I was locked out of life. I know there's some people here today. That's how you feel. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. That word again, hell. But you, O Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit, and listen to this next part, and snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. Yawning jaws. Ba-dum. All right? I mean, can you imagine this? Jonah's fainting. He's seeing this great white shark coming close to him. He has that theme music playing in his head. And Jonah's terror of seeing the shark was really God's grace and God's goodness to him. Because that big, nasty, ugly thing was coming to rescue him. The great white shark has 400 teeth. And those teeth are like needles. Can you imagine a fish seeing this fish and him coming up alongside you and you're expecting him to close down on you and he doesn't. His mouth stays open until your head comes all the way in and it shuts. And you're in there. And, you're, and what do you do? You pray. You pray. Know this, God's, Jonah's next problem was God's deliverance. God allows us to go through crisis. The, everybody asks the question, why? Why do I go through this? Could it be sometimes that God allows us to go through crisis if we're living in disobedience so that he can deliver us? He wants to deliver us. God never, ever wants to hurt you. He didn't want to hurt Jonah. He wanted to deliver Jonah. If you're here and you're running away from God this morning, then you can expect storms. You can expect difficulties. You can expect inconvenience. You can expect God to come after you, but what you will never ever expect is God forsaking you because he never will. Oh, no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm, you never let go. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Everybody say the word remembered. I remembered you, Lord. I like that line. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose up to you into your holy temple. He's saying, you know what? As I was fainting, I remembered God. Some of us don't remember the Lord until we've lost everything. Isn't that right? How come we can't remember the Lord when things are good, when the the seas are calm? But we don't. We remember the Lord when we're all topsy-turvy and we're just getting ready to hurl because we're seasick of our own messed up stuff. Jonah remembered the Lord. The big idea for today is this, that when we call on God, God will deliver us. When you call on God, the Lord will deliver you, but you have to remember the Lord. Verse 8, those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Basically saying, you know what, an idol couldn't come up with Moby Dick. But I will offer sacrifices to you. So out of my appreciation for your deliverance, I'm going to give you two things, he says. Look at this. I will, uh, with songs of praise, so he's going to sing. All right? He's going to clap, he's going to sing. He's having a praise service. In the middle of a smelly, stinky fish. And then, secondly, I'm going to obey. I'm going to fulfill all my vows. Jonah promised two things I'm going to sing and I'm going to praise you, but I'm also going to obey you. What does that mean? That your lips aren't enough. God wants your feet too. He wants you to obey him. God didn't command the fish to vomit up Jonah just because he was praying and having a good praise service. He commanded the fish to vomit up Jonah when Jonah said, okay, I will go to Nineveh. I will go. You won. I lost. I will go. And then his circumstances changed. Look at verse 9. For my salvation comes from the Lord. Who? Alone. God always comes through to you when you commit your life to him. That's the big idea. When you call on God, he will deliver you. And only the way he can deliver. Because his deliverance may come from something huge and nasty. that Everybody says, oh, that's awful. And no, it could have been God's grace. Look at verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Everybody said the word vomit. What a good word. Oh, gee. Vomit tossing your cookies, blowing chunks. I, 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 will, I will stop right there. Jonah is vomited on dry land. Now, why do you vomit? But well, I like saying that word. I'm going to say that word about three more times. Why do you vomit, really? Because your stomach's upset. I think this whale upchuck Jonah because he's thinking anything that it takes me three days to digest and it's not digested yet, I need to get out of me. And that's what happened. I believe this messed up preacher was (laughs) causing this whale a tummy ache. And think about it. So he's vomited up on land. He's got slime all over him. And his skin is white as a sheet. Remember what we talked about? The gastric juices turned his very dark complected skin because he was a Jew into like Casper the ghost. Next week we're going to see what God does with a funky-looking, fish-smelling preacher when he comes to town and goes 550 miles, what God told him to do. Guess what? They listen. Because anybody that ugly and that freaky <laughs> must be from God. I want to end today's service just by telling you a little bit about my Jonah story. I was talking to a, a friend of mine up in the nosebleed seats up there. And uh, she was sharing a little bit of her story. You know, there was a time in my life that um, I was crying out to God. I asked God, why? Why are you doing this? And I prayed, and um, I sought Him. I read God's Word. I got around people. I tried to everything I know to do in order to change a situation. And it didn't change. And once it ended, I was uh, uh, just like you, was hurt very badly by church. And um, as we were just praying over this, asking God, why? Why, Lord? The most difficult thing that's ever happened in my life was really God's deliverance. Because the Lord placed in our hearts years ago, over a decade ago, to come and to do a work here in Clarksville. And if God had not allowed that, those 400 teeth of the nastiness of just asking God why and all this stuff happening, I wouldn't be here today. And I will tell you, there was a time that I just... I asked why, and I just I felt like I had this crisis of faith. I mean, I'm a preacher, and I'm always supposed to believe, right? But I was struggling. I was struggling. Why? Why did you allow that to happen? Why, God? And I look back on it, and I still don't have a lot of answers. But I'm able to look at God and say, God, I thank you because you knew what you were doing and I didn't and I thank you thank you for delivering me let's pray Lord Um, I know there's people here today Lord that they are crying for your deliverance they need you to come through and the great thing about it God is that when we remember you, God, and when we turn to you, you always come through. You're always faithful. You're always... You're just 100% God, even when we're not. And Lord, we can say this morning, Lord, I can start coming back because you've been coming after me. It may be because of something that's happened in my life. It may be because there's some struggles I'm having with finances or in my marriage or with my children. But today, Lord, I am coming back because you have been coming after me. Lord, I pray that those people in here, that you feel like you're in the deep of the deep, Lord, that you would send your grace to come and rescue them. That's what we pray, Lord. Lord, it's in Jesus' name that we pray.